Welcome to another episode of Tools, Talents, and Techniques. I'm your host, Dustin Sutton. Today, we have a truly unique guest who blends his expertise, and it's nothing short of fascinating. So I want you to meet Mr. Jordan O'Hara. He's the owner and operator of San Diego's very first and only CBD and functional mushroom-infused whole bean coffee, wind and sea coffee. But as I, after I first met Jordan, his story is so much more than just coffee and what he's doing with it. But it's just a, a fantastic journey that he's had so far. So I'm really excited about this conversation. Um, so without further ado, here he is, Mr. Jordan O'Hara. Welcome, Jordan. What's up, Dustin? Thank you so much for having me, man. It's a pleasure to be here. We're going we're gonna to talk about a lot of different things about you, but if you could first just introduce yourself and a little bit more about what you currently do. Yeah. So my name is Jordan. I'm the founder and CEO of Wind and Sea Coffee. Um, and as you mentioned, we're San Diego's first uh, CBD and functional mushroom infused coffee and coffee product um, company. And um, yeah, I adaptogens have been hugely transformational in my life. And my company is really trying to bring that to the world um, and to specifically address a crisis within the veteran community and to do so holistically and in a way that is just fun and easy to uh, do in the long run. So you, you threw out a word there, adaptogen. Am I saying it correctly? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so I know a little bit about, could you explain to our listeners who are familiar with that term? For sure. Yeah. So adaptogens are um, essentially plants, roots, fungus, herbs, um, a variety of different naturally occurring substances that help your body adapt to stress, external stressors in your environment, as well as sort of your internal state, um, helping you go back to what's called homeostasis, which is just like balance, the feeling that things are okay, you know, you're not exhausted, overly tired, stressed out, um, which in our society, you know, modern society, everyone is fighting this battle to some degree. So adaptogens are sort of mother nature's answer to that. And um, they just kind of help bring everything back into balance. I want to really dive deep into how you came about this and how you started moving forward in your career in this direction and being an entrepreneur. But if we could start back at Jordan's origin story. So tell us a little bit more about, about where you're from. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, I grew up kind of in the at the base of the mountains there. I grew up with my mom and my brother. Um, we I met my biological dad when I was like 12 or 13. So I spent, uh, you know, most of my upbringing kind of with a single mom and a brother. And I always knew that I just wanted to get out of the house, um, go see the world, do my own thing, like just become my own person. I find it's always kind of crazy that there's such a trend of like people moving back into their parents' house. Cause I'm just like, dude, I, there's my parents would kill me. I would kill them. There's no way <laughs> I could do it, you know? So, I, um, but yeah, that's kind of where I uh, started. I went to uh, college at the university of Oregon. I studied finance and 
around my junior year, I was starting to look at, you know, what type of um, careers there are for entry-level finance roles. And, you know, it's a lot of being a desk jockey, you know, you're, you're crunching numbers. And I felt like at the time I... I wanted to do something more exciting. I wanted to use my body. I wanted to, you know, go see the world. I was like, it just felt like I was growing up too fast, going straight into this adult role. Um, I also always had a drive from like a very young age. Um, to, it's, kind of, it's kind of silly, but like to be a warrior, I've always wanted to, um, you know, stand up for myself, stand up for others that um, couldn't stand up for themselves. Uh, I did martial arts. I did everything from Kung Fu, Jiu Jitsu, Muay Thai. And so the military did kind of seem like an extension of this like code that I believed in strongly, um, as a, as a kid. Um, I feel no, like, you, Oh, go ahead. Real, yeah. real quick. No, I want to, I want to dive deeper into this, to this point. So this feeling and you want to be, was this, was this from sports or was this from just your experience with other kids in the neighborhood? Like where, where do you feel if you, if you have thought of that or explored that, where do you think that came from? Hmm. Yeah. You know, I guess I've never really like fully examined it, but I do think that um, I was, I was really small, like growing up, you know, I was like the, you know, kid that looks like he was like three grades younger than all everyone else in his is grade so i i just felt like i um you know i was afraid of being bullied i was afraid of kind of uh the the possibility that you know people can make you do stuff that you don't want to do so i i really wanted to um learn how to defend myself and then having a younger brother and having like kind of my mom there. And these were, it felt like I had this responsibility to kind of, you know, be the man of my house and to punch above my weight. And so it just seemed like a kind of logical um, ethos at a young age. And then honestly, 9-11 in a weird way kind of played a role in that too. Um, I was, I guess, 11 when, um, the attack on the Twin Towers happened and I just was really confused and sort of like, why, why would somebody do this? Um, I wish that I could have done something to stop it or, you know, just to, to make whoever was responsible pay for doing it. And so it just felt that was kind of another like big moment in my life where I was like, okay, um, you know, fighting the good fight just seemed like it was in alignment with who I was and, and the type of man that I wanted to become. And so when you mentioned the the military becoming an option or something that you were thinking of, how old were you in this? Is this when you were in at Oregon or is this earlier on when you were, you know, first becoming aware of all these things happening in the world? No, it was actually uh, in Oregon. So um, the other kind of aspect of my upbringing is I've always been very entrepreneurial. Uh, I mean, garage sales, lemonade stands. I started like a, like a little t-shirt company in college. I just always wanted to, you know, we grew up, you know, very poor. And so just trying to take what you have and leverage that into getting the things that you want, um, always just seemed like a very like 
obvious fit for me. Um, so I kind of knew that business and finance, that these were where I was like, my interests were, but yeah, it was around like my junior year that I was like, dude, like I'm what, 20, 19 years old. And just like the prospect of like hitting Excel spreadsheets for the rest of my life was like, dude, I don't know if I I'm ready for that. (laughs) So, you know, um, and there was just something I always wanted to try doing the hardest thing that I could. I wanted to prove to myself and prove to everyone else that I'm different and um, special and capable. Uh, so it go, the military, but specifically uh, special operations just really resonated with me. And I kind of made it my goal around my like sophomore, junior year. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to join the Navy. I'm going to be a SEAL. This is what I'm doing. And I, that, that's sort of the path that I chose. And so once you chose that path, was there an ROTC program or uh, I'm not familiar with all the, all the terms there, but was there something like that in your college that, or your university that, that you explored? Um, sort of. So the, typically when you, when you join the military uh, with a college degree, you uh, commission as an officer which kind of, if you think about as two parallel ladders next to each other, there's an enlisted ladder and hierarchy, and then there's a commissioned ladder. And the all the officers are higher, even the lowest officer is higher rank than the highest enlisted guy, but they're kind of like two parallel tracks. And um, within special operations, there are fewer um, sort of billets and roles for commissioned officers within the spec war community. So it's not uncommon for a lot of guys to um, in special operations to have a college degree, but they're still like an enlisted. So to answer your question, no, I didn't really do any sort of like ROTC program or anything like that. I, um, I just enlisted. You do what's called like the delayed entry program as you're competing for um, what was a SEAL contract uh, at the time. So this is, uh, one thing that appealed to me about the Navy was um, it was one of the only branches that had a direct line from civilian into special operations. Uh, a lot of other, like the Army, for example, if you want to be a Green Beret or, or an Army Ranger, you have to join the Army, um, go with an infantry MOS, and then spend some time in there, kind of network your way through, um, and then try out internally. Um, even MARSOC is kind of that same way. So on the Marine side of things, uh, the Navy was unique, um, at least at the time for having this, like I knew what I wanted to do. And um, so that was uh, an appeal uh, for me. You mentioned before about, and we don't, I don't want to spend too much time on this point, but I I, I, I swear I'm going to bridge this into oh, something. Dude, I have to go wherever this is going. I when love you, it. When you mentioned the spreadsheets and you're like, man, I can't, I can't just sit there doing spreadsheets all the time. Were you, were you, did you excel at Excel? Did you have, <laughs> did you have proficiency at the finance and that was, was it something that you were really good at or was that a challenge that you were working through that? I know it's what you preferred to do, but were you good at it? Initially, I was not. I was actually uh, pretty bad at math. Um, I've always kind of, my my natural skills have been towards like writing, speaking. Um, and so that was, I was actually held back in math a year 
And when I got, I was always like slow at it and just like I struggled, it frustrated me. Um, and then when I was in college, I failed one of my like uh, calculus classes and I had to, to take it again over the summer. And it kind of, over that summer, it, something clicked and I actually ended up having a, a, a decent like inclination towards math, but the difference was I, whereas other people, they could maybe like skip a few steps and like, yeah, I may not know exactly what's going on here, but like, I kind of see what's going on over here and I could get there. If I was, if you were losing me at this step, I couldn't make it to the next step. And so what I sort of unlocked during that summer was by tutoring others and really like making it so that it, if I can explain it to you, then I understand it because it's the glossing over those like two or three steps that is where I'm getting lost. And that's probably where other people are getting lost. So once I kind of uh, realized that, that that was sort of just my path, it completely changed my relationship to quantitative analysis. And I mean, I have a, a MBA in um, data analytics I have a supply chain degree, uh, finance, like I love statistics. So it's kind of crazy how that completely flipped. And it, it took me being really bad at it and just knowing like, I don't want to be bad at this forever, um, that it kind of forced me to make a change. And then it became a strength in in the end. Yeah, I th that's one of the things I love about this show and what we do is because we get to talk about those things and unlocking what what happens in one part of your life that opens up that world to you and then how you can you know transfer those skills or the, those tools those 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 techniques into other things in your life so that that kind of bridges on where uh to your military experience and when you first got into the military uh could you talk about how those things may be transferred to your to your uh, getting involved in the military and those things, whether whether it's how you look at problems, any of those things. Yeah. How did you use those tools from growing up and having those experience into your military transition? For sure. Um, well, the first thing that that kind of made me uh, think of when you asked that question was <clears throat> a lot of what you're doing in the military, especially in your in training in some sort, like it sucks. It's really difficult, you know, you're cold, you're tired, you're uncomfortable. Um, and you kind of get into your own head. It's pretty easy to just like, you know, focus on, you know, they call it feeling sorry for yourself. You know, you sit there and just feel sorry for yourself that, you know, why is it so hard? And as soon as you kind of take the attention off of yourself and you put it on like, who can I help? What can I do to help this? It's like, out of nowhere, dude, you, you get this, this reservoir of energy and, um, you know, all of a sudden, I mean, you hear it all the time in like war stories, some dude, you know, riddled with, with bullets, blows his leg off and he's, you know, carrying the, his, his wounded buddy, you know, back to safety. And you're like, well, what, what sort of like motivation, you know, is, how is he so not concerned with himself? And it's, it's like when you start taking your attention on, less about what's going on with me and what can I do for other people, you things kind of start falling in line and you're able to do a lot more than you maybe thought you were. So that was one of the sort of lessons that I took from, from like what I mentioned with tutoring. Um, 
I also kind of to that that point is one of the things that you learn in the military is um, attention to detail, like the order of operations, the way things are done a particular way. And it might seem kind of like stupid or pointless. Or like, why am I, you know, ironing my underwear this way or folding it this way? Like this doesn't have anything to do with anything, but there, there's a saying that I like um, and it's, it's how you do anything is how you do everything. And so, um, you know, the way that you, the attention that you give your underwear when you're folding it is the same attention that you're going to give. And, and in my uh, role as a medic, you know, that's the same type of attention you're going to be giving in terms of uh, field care to somebody. And it just translates kind of across the board. And so that was another thing with, you know, struggling kind of with math. It was, you can't just gloss over the details and hope that you get to the right answer. You got to really kind of figure out what it is that you're doing and where are you getting stuck? Um, having contingency plans is another big one that sort of you learn from the military, but especially in business is like plan A is, you know, all of your plans are going to suck, but it's the act of planning that's important. And, you know, when you need to think through, you know, uh, all these stupid sayings, I can't believe I'm rattling them off right here no but, but these, these these sayings are because they're true it's true yeah, that, that that's why they resonate with people but so so please don't, totally, don't yeah don't so, stop. So this one this one is you know one is none two two is one one is none so it's just sort of the the concept of that you need redundancies in your plans you need contingency plans so if you know if you only bring one uh you know rifle magazine or something like that and then you lose it well now you have none you know so having backups and plan b's and and planning for these um things like on the bin laden rate they had like 50 contingency plans if the helicopter goes down we do this if the, that goes down or this if the air force gets called we do this you know and it was like plan b that they ended up going with but it was it's sort of that sort of approach to um business and life and everything that um, I took from the military and has is, is really helped me. I want to I want to drill down on one of the points you you said because you mentioned you know how you do it, how you do anything is how you do everything that that sentiment. Uh, I I can speak from from my own experience. Sometimes there's there's a lot to do, and so there's a lot of details to those things that you're doing, and so there's a level of stress and putting importance on all of those things. Is there, uh, does, is that something that, that you have thought about, about like, you know, there's, there's so much pressure and stress on some of these things and, and how to gauge that, how to gauge and, and slow down, because it sounds like what you're talking before and, and you figure it out, you can't glance over these things. But then again, there's, there's an exact anxiety there about if you're, you're focused on everything and you become a perfectionist and you're focused, is that something that you've experienced? Totally. It, it definitely has. And, um, you know, right before we uh, kind of started the pod, we were talking about podcasting in general. And that's that's um, so to answer your question. I think trying to avoid analysis paralysis is really important, you know, and a pretty good plan enacted today or right now is better than a perfect plan that's a day late. You know, so sometimes you kind of have to like not stress so much about being a perfectionist and doing everything right like just do something and i'm a very like hands-on learner so 
um, I learn through the mistakes that I make. Okay, well, that didn't really work. Now I can, I'm going to learn faster by trying and failing than I'm going to by, um, you know, per- having a perfect plan. And, and that's sort of the concept behind like the lean startup, if you're relatively familiar with that. Yeah. It's, you know, the, the, the business case is pets.com. So pets.com was, you know, this is the, during like the dot-com bubble. It was, the idea was to sell dog food and other pet supplies on the internet. You know, who wants to go carry around a 60 pound bag of dog food? It's going to be a great idea. So whoever this guy was, he uh, raised like 4 million bucks. You know, they did this huge web build out. It was like this massive uh, production. And then when they launched, dot-com bubble burst no one wants to buy dog food on the internet and um you know it's it was kind of egg on everyone's face but he would have known that if he had put something out well like a a minimum viable product out there you know just get something out there see throw something at the wall see what sticks you're going to learn more from the feedback on that one thing, then you are going to, you know, behind closed doors workshop, like the, the perfect idea, you know? Yeah. Uh, so to, to that point, and I want to make sure, because there's so much I want to, I want to get into about what you're currently doing, but I want to make sure that the timeline here yeah. is, is efficient. So when you transitioned out of the military, what was your first experience work-wise once you left? Yeah. So <laughs> kind of, how I got out of the military, um, you know, again, talking about plans and plan A, plan B, I was medically separated from the military after um, an injury. So one of the things, you know, that is true across the military in general, but especially in special operations is your body just gets super banged up. Um, you're you're kind of burning the candle at both ends. And at some point, my body reached a breaking point and uh, had a really bad back injury. And during this period, I, you know, everything was being called into question, the ability to continue in my role as a medic, um, staying in the military in general, am I ever going to have the mobility and strength and, and capability that I had beforehand? Um, your identity is heavily tied in to your job and now I'm losing my job. So it feels like I'm losing, you know, my identity. I'm losing respect at work because your reputation is everything. And now I'm getting the reputation as the guy who's injured and can't do that. Or, Oh, he's got appointments. He's got to go do these things. So all of that is like just weighing on you and it's, um, you know, giving you anxiety. I was getting really depressed. I wasn't sleeping very well and I didn't really know what to do about it. Um, I went down a pretty traditional Western medicine um, set of therapies. So surgeries, injections, uh, medications, physical therapy. And I was getting some relief, I guess, in in some respects, but it was also, um, I was having a lot of side effects and all of the like psychological um, aspects of that and I just remember thinking like, dude, I'm again, I, I feel young. I don't, am I just, is this the rest of my life? Am I just going to be shoveling handfuls of pills down and be like those angry veterans at the, at the VA hospital? You know, is that just going to be my life? And, um, I really wanted this next chapter of the, what I did after 
to address that and not just address it for myself, but to be an advocate, an educator, um, and a supplier of holistic wellness for others that kind of went down. And that really kind of helped ingrain in me a new purpose and like got me like motivated to get up and do something. And great. It's really hard. All, you know, four out of five companies fail. Perfect. Like that's, that's the, the type of odds that I like in the things that I pursue because it proves to me that I'm different and that I'm um, able to do the things that most people can't. Was there a specific tipping point that you recall that when you were trying these Western medicines or approaches in general that, that you were like, do you remember like the day or the, the week or the time frame that you were like, I got to do something different? Walk me through that. Yeah. So I, I don't know if there was necessarily like one, uh, one specific thing, but one thing that always kind of resonated with me was um, a medication that I was t- taking for nerve pain or something like that. Um, started giving me a blurry vision and I wasn't able to like focus at a distance on some of these things. And, uh, that was sort of, well, a, an aha moment that like, dude, even if it's helping me with one thing, like at what cost. And so the idea of plant medicine, holistic wellness, something that is like naturally occurring, Um, and potentially did not have as many side effects just seemed like it was worth exploring. And like, what have I got to lose, dude? You know? Yeah. What what was, what was the first experience that you've had or or that you tried that you, your aha moment was, was developing? Like, was there some type of therapy or tool Mm -hmm. that you use that you were like, okay, I'm going to keep going down this path. Yeah, definitely. So, um, I think in terms of supplements, uh, CBD was hugely transformative transformative for me at first. This was uh, prior to the military making a rule against CBD. Um, Obviously, you can use THC products while you were in, but there wasn't anything explicitly banning um, CBD. But I started taking it for, you know, sleep and sort of like stress and anxiety, a little bit of inflammation, and was like, wow, I'm getting as much relief with some of these other pills and and none of the... um, side effects. Um, but the other really like aha, big transformative experience for me was surf therapy. So, um, I, uh, started, I got involved with this organization that, uh, was taking injured service members and teaching them how to surf. And that was really impactful because, you know, one of the things that kind of separates um, Navy special operations from other special operations communities is the connection to the water. Um, you know, for most military assets, the water is an obstacle. It's, you know, it's really, it's a hard environment to operate in. And for that reason, it is like an oasis for special operations. So it's, you know, instilled from a very early in your training water comfortability, um, you know, doing stuff underwater and, you know, really long swims or whatever. And so being injured and kind of, you know, like losing all of that, I, um, surf therapy got me back into the water and it made me feel competent and confident. Um, it was a skill, it was hard. It was therapeutic in its own sense. Like, 
you know, the, the joke is vitamin C, like SEA, you know, there's really something about just like being out in the sunlight, having the salt water on your skin and it's cold, you know, that's helping with like inflammation. Um, and it's a community too. There's, there's a lingo and um, an in crowd and out crowd. And I think for me and for everyone, like just being part of a community um, is really important. And that helps sort of like, you know, everyone knows what their role is in a community. And it's when you don't know, and when you live in this very big, isolated, atomized, uh, complex society, that that's, you know, partly why we feel so sick as a society. And, you know, my life expectancy is down, depression is up, suicide is up, um, addiction, overdose, you know, a lot of this stems from a sickness within our society. And I think one, one really important aspect of that is the connection to community. So surf therapy did all of those things for me and uh, was like, I really want to spread this. I'm lucky to live in San Diego, but other people might not. Um, yeah. Do, do you recall the name of this organization? Yeah. One more wave is, one is more wave. Uh, yeah. One more wave. So we, my, uh, we donate a portion of our revenue to one more wave and they supply custom equipment, um, instruction and community for service members uh, transitioning. And it's called one more wave because it's, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of like, um, a motto to keep your head up that there's always another wave coming. You know, it, it's, it has as much of an impact, you know, as like SSRIs for some people in terms of um, managing suicidal ideations, 22 veterans a day commit suicide. Um, it's, it, it's a community that is disproportionately impacted by a number of the you know, PTSD, various sorts of traumas. And also I think just a lack of, uh, it's getting better, but you got to be comfortable talking about it. And so, so one more wave is sort of like their motto is, you know, there's always another wave coming. Just, just hang in there for one more wave, you know? Yeah. No, I love that. So how, how long ago was this when you, when you start, so you started surfing when you came across this organization, how long ago was that? 2016 is when I, uh, started. Okay. All right. Gotcha. How are, how's your surfing right now? You, you know, <laughs> it's, you know, it's as bad as always. Um, no, I, it, it's, I've been going consistently about once per week since I, since I started. And, and to me, um, another thing, like a principle that I carry with me with, um, work and fitness and entrepreneurship and li- uh, building a new skill is that consistency is is more important than intensity. So you know, even if you could just go one day and you go for thirty minutes, you know, in the aggregate, you do that every week for thirty minutes every week. You know, six seven years later, you will have surfed more than somebody that just did it for a month every day, four hours a day in the summer. You know, so mm-hmm. and same thing with your business, dude. Like. You know, you're supposed to be working a million hours when you're building a company, and and sometimes you are, sometimes you have to. Um, but I realistically, I do believe in balance. I think that you got to bring your best self to work, and you're only going to do that if 
everything on the home front is okay. You know, you're going to be, have more energy. You're going to be sharper if you are um, eating well and you're physically fit. So, and that just requires time. Like you can't just eat ramen and work at the office 19 hours a day. Like you can do that in short bursts, but I think in, in the long run, um, you're not going to be able to sustain that for very long. And if you had just developed a routine that was um, consistent, but maybe less intense in the aggregate, I think you're going to go further. So after, after you joined this organization and you started surfing, uh, what is there anything else around that time? Because you know you mentioned before about you know some of these other things that you're trying. You tried this. Was there anything else during that time that also pushed you forward? Yeah. So yoga was um, super uh, instrumental. That's kind of obvious. I think a less obvious one that was um, really fun was uh, it's called like a sound bath, which is kind of interesting. It's like a resonant um, noise. So like various like uh, those crystal bowls or, you know, and um, it's kind of like a meditative thing. And they're, they move these resonating like bowls like around you. And it's crazy. It's like a very like psychedelic um, experience and um, just kind of getting that like mind, body, breath, spirit connection um, was, was big. Another one, and this wasn't like, I had been um, familiar with these prior to this, but psychedelics were um, a very kind of enlightening, um, transformative substance that I attribute to a lot of my open-mindedness and um, just sort of like why I'm not more screwed up, probably, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So, and it's amazing about this show and what I love about this is some of these things that you're like, yeah, yoga, of course, but there's a lot of people right. that, that it's not obvious to them. Totally. And when somebody may see somebody in your position, you're a successful entrepreneur, you know, veteran, you're, you're doing all these, all these great things. And I think that's what's so important about showing like what the steps are that you took to get where you are and some of these things that you're introducing into your life. Cause sometimes, I mean, yes, sound bath, yoga, you know, meditation, psychedelics, all these things. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very familiar, but other people are like, what's a, what's a sound bath, you know? And yeah. so being able to introduce other people to some of these concepts is very important. So, so I appreciate you not just glancing over these by kind of by explaining the, the details of them. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the um, real benefits, well, not not so much real benefits, but I feel very fortunate to, I mean, like I said, I, I grew up in New Mexico, which is kind of, you know, hippy dippy in its own right. Then I lived in Oregon for four years. Now I live in San Diego, California. So I've been sort of immersed in a lot of these um, open-minded like communities that have open-mindedness towards these holistic modalities. There's a lot of people that come from the military or, or not in the military, but you know, they move back to wherever maybe they grew up. Maybe it's someplace in the middle of the country and they, this is like weird, all this stuff, sound baths, even yoga, like you said, like, yeah, yoga is obvious to me, but I think it's easy to kind of take for granted that you are from a different zeitgeist than, you know, other people. And so just trying to normalize that and just be like, um, it's not just like 
one specific type of person that can benefit from this. It, it's it's a whole host. And, and I think like uh, ice baths and one, one thing that is kind of breaking through in the like uh, entrepreneurship, kind of like hustle bro um, world is, you know, breath work, ice baths, various sorts of diets and whatever. I think, you know, people hop on trends and whatnot, but at the very least, it is normalizing talking about this. It's normalizing um, like, hey, you should take care of your body. It's not like you're not vain for just going and exercising and, and you know, trying to get a six pack. Like it's like it's, it's not about the six pack. Dude. It's about all the other benefits that that um, come when you have that little discipline and dedication towards your body. Yeah. You know, your experience and you even even talking about psychedelics in a way and and I follow this closely, especially organizations like MAPS, yeah. um, Compass. You know, there there are some amazing things. And even the book that came out, which also has uh, the Netflix, the Michael Pollan, like How to Change Your Mind. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you hear some of the statistics and the things that are coming out where people have tried all of these different things, these Western medicines and this and that. And then they'll have one ayahuasca trip or one um, heavy mushroom. And they're like, I'm back, baby. Or I'm yeah. better than I, I'm better than I've ever been before. Right. But then you talk to some people that have, have no knowledge of this, have no experience, and you mention LSD, and they think you're talking about crack or, yeah. or heroin. It's like they're right. not the same thing, and like right. the way people use them are, are completely different. So, totally. so I'm very happy that that you were able to share that. Um, when you when you talked about the the psychedelics, was there was there a moment there? where you where it was was opening that you said oh aha like this is this is the difference that it made in that specific moment yeah so i don't remember the exact like trip where i kind of had this realization but um it, i've i've had it at various uh, times and i think it's um it's probably one of the the most healing aspects of my you know uh journey with with plant medicine and it's this sort of like self love um just this feeling that like you are great like you are it's you know especially if you are very um uh you're a high achiever you want you know you could be really hard on yourself i'm very hard on myself you know i think sometimes my, i have negative self talk or i'm like fucking idiot like why would you do that like focus you know and you can get i get on myself you know why am i not doing more why did i why am i not working harder why am i not doing these things and um sometimes that's good that helps kind of like fuel you and other times um it's important to forgive yourself and to recognize that like you're exactly where you're supposed to be you're doing everything that you're supposed to be doing you are loved and um it's okay. Everything, you know, don't beat yourself up so hard about falling short on this or not being better at that. Um, and that, that is easier said than done. But, uh, when you're like on, on a, a big trip of something, it's, it's a lot, it just feels like, Oh, like everything's okay. This is crazy. You know, that's a, it's a, it's an important aspect of it. That's right. And actually breaking that cycle of mindset because you can, you can spiral down into, into that um, self-talk or of, of, you know, being hard on yourself or all those things. So anything that you could do to break the cycle of like, Hey, stop going down that path. 
you know, totally. to come back to, to center, like where you are and, and you are, you are all these experiences and who you are to move forward effectively, I think is important. I yeah. Think it's an important it, it, point to make. One of the, uh, one of like the physiological effects that, that they're finding uh, um, of psychedelics is sort of, is it's the neuroplasticity aspect. So um, anything that you do that is habitual, you know, neurons that fire together wire together that's the, the saying so that's why the first time you are learning how to drive you're like oh my god there's so much going on how does anyone do this and then you know 10 years into it you're like eating a big mac and just it's super easy but your bad habits are are that same way too you know you get into these ruts and these patterns and patterns of addiction and patterns of you know negative self talk or whatever it is and psychedelics kind of come and they they you know, rake all of that over and allow for a fresh start. So I think there's like a, a maybe like a spiritual sort of internal side of um, these revelations that are, are happening. That's what they, the, they call them entheogens, which is like, uh, essentially means like um, seeing God, like the, the God is within these um, substances. But I also think there's a physiological effect that they are literally messing with your um, brain chemistry and allowing for changes to occur, which is super important. Similar to the way you described that, I've heard it, and you, I, you probably have heard this too. It's almost like a, a snow-covered mountain where people are going down these runs and, and your thoughts are these patterns that keep going down these same runs. And what psychedelics can do is just put new powder on there yeah. so you can you can choose to go you can make your own new paths you can make different decisions yeah. it's not just that habitual state that that you've been in and I, and I think that that painted a really good picture for me to understand yeah. no that, that's, what's a, going that's on. a great great uh analogy I think that's that's exactly how it is you get in these ruts just like powder and it, yeah fresh powder just comes on and you realize that you don't have to go you don't have to make the same choices the way that you've been making them yeah so when you, and I, I, again, I don't want to skip over steps here, but so yeah. you're having these experiences and then did this lead you to your current role with, and, and, and when you founded the Wind and Sea Coffee? So I, I had experienced psychedelics prior to the military. Um, you know, that probably, you know, for the first time was either in high school or college, like right around then. And so some of these revelations or like experiences were not new to me. Um, and then I think anyone that is in a state of transition or you're unsure about something, those are often good opportunities to, you know, have a psychedelic experience because it kind of, it's like when you, when you're at a crossroads, those are oftentimes a good, um, time to do it. And so knowing that I had had these experiences in the past and I'm, in a state of searching for what comes next. And I knew that going down the business of psychedelics is like, uh, you know, it's nothing that I can do as a startup, you know, it requires organizations like maps, you need federal funding. I mean, you would be breaking laws, like it'd be pretty difficult, but fortunately you can have a lot of these uh, transformational benefits from functional mushrooms and other types of adaptogens without breaking any laws and without, you know, it being this uh, crazy thing. So I knew that I want 
to get into this business and to do it in a way that like I can create it. I can, um, you know, impact the, the veteran community and the people that I can immediately touch and do so in a way that I'm not breaking laws and, and stuff like that. So that's where kind of functional mushrooms and just bringing this holistic wellness approach, this full body, full spectrum approach to wellness. Um, I knew that's the direction that I wanted to, to go for the business. And so when you first had this idea of, of what you wanted to do and you want to start this, like what, what was your, your, say your starting point, but like, how, how did you take this idea? Did you put it on paper? Did you start a business plan? Did you reach out to people? Like what did that genesis of the company look like? Yeah. So it was not as like structured and formal. Again, it was kind of one of those things where if you're, if you're kind of waiting for what is the the correct first step to do it, then you'll never take that step. You kind of just have to like, jump, you know, just, just start somewhere. And so the first thing that I, um, I always approach education and learning as like a, a good first step. You, if you're interested in something, you know, go learn something about it. So I wanted to learn about coffee roasting. You know, I obviously been a big fan of coffee, but I knew more about the like plant wellness side of things than I did about coffee. So I bought a two pound Hucky 500 T propane coffee roaster. And I started ordering green coffee beans off of Amazon. And I would set them up in my courtyard right here. And I would just learn everything that I could on YouTube. I would ask people, you know, learning about time over temperature, um, your first crack, second crack, different origins, flavor notes, what's going on in the roasting process. And knowing that I wanted to infuse coffee with this, the next question was, well, what, at what stage, um, do you infuse it? Because I don't want to over engineer something, you know, if there's, if the best way to drink CBD or mushrooms in coffee is to just squirt a drop of it into your already brewed cup of coffee, then just do that. Like you don't need to reinvent the wheel. But what I found was, you know, when you just squirted oil into your coffee, you'd have like a little layer of oil that would sit on top of it. And so it would kind of taste not great. Um, also maybe the temperature at which the coffee was uh, being brewed, was that going to mess with the efficacy of the CBD. So at, you know, you start with like kind of a hypothesis and then you try it out and you validate it or invalidate it and ultimately determined that, okay, uh, introducing the oil after the coffee has been roasted, this much oil that gives you about this much per dose, which is enough for you to actually have some sort of effect over time. Um, so it, it was kind of starting with the product first which I don't think is um, necessarily the right way of, of doing it. Um, you know, I'm preaching the lean startup over here. And I think <laughs> the lean startup would tell you that you should validate the market first. Like, is this, you know, what, what is the, what problem do consumers have? Because maybe your answer to that problem you're, you're like creating the answer and then looking for the problem, which is not mm -hmm. really the right way. You should be looking for the problem and then developing your answer. So in that sense, I would say it was kind of backwards. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I do things wrong sometimes. Uh, well, let, let me push back on this because yeah. 
Uh, because <laughs> sometimes you may, you have to trust yourself, right? And you know there's something there. You don't know exactly what it is, but there's something there. And you got to try a different thing. So even if that market validation is, you know, your own experience, you know, and, and, and you have had, you were searching for things and you're like sure. this it's not out there. Like I'm looking for this thing and this is not quite right. So I I think there's something there. So again, don't, I wouldn't beat yourself up too much about that. (laughs) I love what you're doing and and how you got there. Maybe it's not the most efficient, but I I wouldn't poo poo your, uh, your, your journey. much. I appreciate that. Thank you for not poo pooing it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, No, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think on some level, like one of my kind of guiding you know, North stars has just been like, I don't know uh, like what resonates with me. You know, what product would I want to see? What's going to get me to drink this every day? How am I going to take these natural supplements every day? So I was kind of like basing this uh, a lot on my instinct or what would I want to see that's not out there, which I think is, is valid on some sense. And back to the, the point of just like, you get feedback by doing things, you know, try something out there. The first product, when we first uh, came out, we had um, two different like strengths of CBD infused coffee. We had like a a single dose and a double dose. And then we had different sizes and like, it just kind of made sense based on what I was going for. And then you kind of look back and you're like, dude, I have like 10 SKUs now and no customers. (laughs) Like Mm. this is getting insane trying to do this inventory management. And how am I going to produce labels for this? You know, all of a sudden you kind of, your plan starts being confronted with reality and that forces you to adjust your plan. And you at least know that that first thing that you tried isn't the right way to do it. So you can, you can adjust. Um, so, I mean, even, even the transition, it's like a half pivot, not really a pivot. It's just sort of just expanding, but moving from CBD into functional mushrooms and also including those, that was a result of, you know, feedback from the market. I was thought I was, you know, like CBD coffee. This is so obvious. This is so great. Everyone's going to see it. And it didn't take off in the way as an industry in a way that I thought it would, or that had hoped, or even people looking at the cannabis industry, they're like, I don't know what happened, you know? So you have to be able to respond to what you're seeing and see, okay, well, you know what? Functional mushrooms have a lot of uh, the same benefits, more benefits in in many ways, and people are resonating with it. There's there's a market there. It's a bigger market. It's getting better adoption. There's not as many regulatory headwinds. You know, this is the facts on the ground. You know, it doesn't matter what my business plan said or what my hypothesis was five years ago. This is the the hand I'm dealt right now. So you got to be able to think on your feet and and move and and um, it's a I think a challenge that I always kind of have is, is knowing whether to stick with your gut and like see something through, like, you know, it's going to be hard. You got to stick with it. And, you know, am I, am I kidding myself? Should I be listening to what's going on? Is this a time for a pivot? And you don't always really know when, what, what the answer is, if you should keep persevering or if you should pivot. Well, that's that's the art, and that's the balance uh, of, of being aware, and and also I think having people in your corner and people in your team mm-hmm. that um, that you like and that you trust that can tell you. And sometimes, in my experience, 
it, it's not always expecting that person to have an answer or those people mm-hmm. that are in your circle to have the, the answer to everything, but maybe they'll ask you a question or say something or introduce you to somebody else who may, who may have the answer, but you never know unless you take that moment of reflection and vulnerability for being sure. able to say like, That's Hey, not- this is where, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm faced with. I don't know what to do. <laughs> you know, dude. Yeah. I, I think that, um, the vulnerability and like just the just the feeling of being okay with being wrong and being rejected or um right now i'm i'm going through this pitch competition uh through usd it's called the san diego angel conference mm-hmm. and um it's essentially it just just started but it's essentially a series of rounds where you go and pitch uh to a panel of investors and they kind of pick you apart and you know, hopefully you win at the end that you win like 200,000 bucks. Um, but the, the, for me, I, I'd love to win. I'm hoping to really get ex- um, exposure and, and just like make good connections. But I really see this as, um, training. It's, it's helping me improve my pitch, my company, you know, where are my blind spots? It's, it's hard to uh, read the label from inside the bottle sometimes. So I want people who, have, they don't owe me anything. They're not my friend. They're not there to make me feel good. I want to hear what they have to say. What? Where am I losing them? Where are they like you know leaning in? Where am I getting them? Um, when I do uh, pop up markets too, it's the same same deal. You know, I'll, I'll set up at like kind of like a farmers market or just even on the boardwalk, wherever. And I usually don't make a ton of money by doing that, but. I look at it from the perspective of this is like a focus group. I get to put my product out there and I get to see at some point in my pitch about adaptogens where their eyes start glazing over or when they're like, oh, my God, what are the questions that they have? You know, what do they like? What are they not liking so much? I see it as so invaluable. Um, And you could do this electronically, but it's expensive and I don't have that skill set. But I do have a pop-up tent and I can brew coffee and I can, I can go down there and I can talk to people. So yeah, yeah, all that really, really helps in getting that feedback. Yeah. That AB testing and the, and the feedback and being able to put that back in and then put it back out and then see what you get. I think that's absolutely crucial. I I want to talk about your business model and some of the things that you have, because you, it seems like you're, you're, you're approaching this from various levels and everything that I, especially the, the, what I see online and your presence there and there's the e-commerce. Can you talk about that thought process, like where you're focusing your time and your attention? Um, how much is on e-commerce versus in-person? Like what, what, what is your outlook on that? Yeah, definitely. So um, one of the big things I'm really trying to focus on this year and in this first kind of like thrust of this year is building strong B2B sales, getting like a good block, a foundation of volume, maybe with less margin, but that are relationship-based accounts and using that to funnel into the e-commerce side. Because, you know, somewhat foolishly, when I first started, I figured all you got to do is you know, build it and they will come. You know, if you just have a good product and a website, like, dude, you're off to the races. Like, and it's not that simple. Um, driving traffic, you know, you exist on this oasis out in the middle of a digital ocean and no one knows that you exist. So 
getting acquiring customers can be very expensive. Uh, you basically have to be a media company on some level, churning out contents, you know, working with influencers, doing events, doing all of this type of stuff. And it's very time consuming. And it's very expensive. It's also fun. I think it's it's sometimes the more fun aspect of like building a brand is, is, is cool. Um, but your time is limited. Everything is sort of like out of constraint. So you have to focus on something. So this year, I'm really trying to focus on building that foundation in B2B sales. Um, we actually just got uh, into a coffee shop in La Jolla called the Blue Whale. And they have like, I think, nine other coffee shop locations uh, and acai bowl bars between here and Vegas. And um, so we just launched with them on Thursday. This Saturday, they did 400 in sales of just the adaptogen powders. You know, so it's, I mean, they've been there for like less than a week and like they're moving it. And so I'm like, dude, this is awesome. This is validation. This is the type of thing that I can go and tell other people, hey, these guys are doing it. They're crushing it, you know, yeah. and, and then that can help build that foundation that then I can funnel into, you know, paid ads on social media or whatever. Yeah. Well, that's, well, first of all, congratulations. That's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You, you deserve, you deserve all the success that's coming your way. Thank so you, I'm excited to see it. Um, I want to be mindful of your time. We're coming yeah. up on an hour here. Cool. Is there anything that you want to make sure that you, that you share and I'll include your website and all your information, your socials all on the, uh, on the show notes, but is there anything else you want to make sure that we get in before we end? Um, so, I mean, finding me on the socials, uh, and, and my website, you know, even if you want to try a product, if you hear this show and you just want to try the product, you don't want to commit to like buying thing yet, dude, just hit me up. I would love to, you know, uh, you'll, you'll be convinced once you, once you try the products. Um, but outside of just, uh, my, uh, selfless, uh, uh, hawking my products, I'm, I'm super <laughs> interested in getting more conversations. Like, what you're doing, Dustin, by allowing me to be on here, you know, if any of your listeners also have podcasts, um, you know, there's a variety of different topics I'm comfortable talking about. And I really, one of the questions that you kind of sent out uh, uh, prior was, you know, what, um, what technology or book or whatever that you attribute largely to your success. And um, I thought about this for a while. And honestly, podcasting like podcasts in general have been one of the biggest impacts in my adult life um and it's helped shape a lot of my perspectives it's helped me see other people's perspectives um uh, people that i you know don't necessarily agree with i hear them out in long form there's no agenda you're not just getting parroted some line that a an advertiser um you know wants so it's just been world changing and it's really yeah. impacted me and my development. So I'm starting to really look at potentially um, starting a podcast or getting interviews on other people's podcasts for the sake of just having these conversations and getting uh, a venue to have these long form discussions where I can explore different ideas and, and be challenged on some of my assumptions as well. You know, I I agree with that 100%. And if there's anything that I can help you with any of those things, whether it's your own or getting you on other people's bike, I'd be happy to do so. And I, moreover, this, I love 
the fact that we get to have these conversations and in my in, in my work and what I've done with BCREN and even in the, on the real estate side specifically, I've met so many wonderful people who are doing great things, present company included, <laughs> that, that, that I meet that I'm like, not only am I learning so much from this person, am I inspired by this person, but I want to put this, I want to shine a spotlight on on, mm-hmm. on all these people that I'm coming across yeah. and help share these conversations with the world. And And if that's, if I can do that, if I can figure out how to do this and put it out there, then I feel like I'm doing I'm doing good work. So that's why I'm I'm so happy to be having this conversation. Totally, it it, it kind of bringing it back to where we started about like, um, you know, it's what you're doing and why I think you are being successful at this is it's an opportunity. You're like, I want to shine a light on this person, on their company, on look how interesting this person is, and in doing so, you're get you're drawing attention to yourself in a way you know what i mean like you're benefiting um you're growing your brand and your exposure and your influence but in a very selfless way by shining it on other people and it's that kind of focusing on what you can do for others what how can you serve a cause that's greater than yourself and as soon as you start doing that it's like the universe pays it back it really yeah. it wants you to do this <laughs> you yeah know? you know and that's and that's that's going beyond the typical, the win-win of business where people talk about there's a win-win. And in here, when you're talking about, yes, it's a win for you. It's a win for me, but moreover, it's a win for the, for the listeners and the people that are taking in this information that can take this into your life. So it creates that third win Mm -hmm. that really creates that magic triangle. I think. Dude, hundred percent. I think the world is a better place in, in a increasingly divisive and, toxic and uh you know progressively shortening attention spans out there you got to get it there and say something outrageous and make it punchy and do it right now um you know i think this is a hugely important counterbalance that says like um this is i think how we can we can heal the divide within our country and you know the planet everything dude so you're you're doing god's work dustin all right all right well i want to go back to one thing i I was taking notes during during this conversation yeah Uh, i love to make sure to take these notes and there's one thing that i wrote down that i was like i don't know if i should ask him this or not (laughs) you mentioned earlier when you're talking about the military you said how you do one thing you do everything yeah you mentioned an ironing underwear (laughs) is that a thing (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's a thing um, do you do so much stupid shit, man? I don't know what. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is this is pretty wild, but let's they, talk about they it. Do it. And like literally boot camp is just like dressing and undressing and dressing and undressing and seeing a lot of penises. It's um it's, <laughs> it's uncomfortable, but <laughs> so you know. so okay, you're if you, when you're ironing underwear, do you also iron socks? Yeah, iron socks, definitely. You iron uh, basically all of your things. You iron your sheets. You iron um, like your pillowcase. Like everything is, you know, super creased. And then during uniform inspections, you like starch the crap out of everything. So you can literally have like your pants like standing up without. (laughs) (laughs) Do do you you starch everything? Do you starch your socks and your underwear too? You would starch? No, not necessarily. But is it like a is it like a spray starch? Yeah, like a spray starch. You like spray it on and then like iron iron it that way. Um, I don't know why. 
you know, I think the last kind of little note, it's funny. I used to think like military grade, like, oh, that must mean it's super good. If something's like, oh, here's military grade. Now it's like military grade. I'm like, Ooh, like, it's probably yeah. polyester and like, just like absolute <laughs> dog crap. So, do you still, do you still iron everything? No, but I, I do uh, like fold and roll like my underwear and shirts. There's a few things that I, I did kind of like, um, take with me just because it's a little bit more efficient for like packing your suitcase and stuff like gotcha. that. I feel like I'm more militaristic in my behavior now that I'm out of the military than when I was in. Because, you know, you would, you're like rebelling against it, sort of. You're like, we're ironing our underwear is stupid, you know, like everything you're kind of like, you know, pushing back or like, what's the point? This is, we're not going to war. Like, you know, this isn't, I'm not going to be ironing your underwear in Afghanistan. But now I just have like a little bit more perspective to see like the method behind the madness and how impressive it is to take, you know, thousands of people from all different walks of life, different parts of the country and get them going towards some communal goal. I think uh, not necessarily like a draft would be not good, but having some sort of mandatory um, service, I think would be another like really, really huge, um, thing that we could do as a country that would make people feel less divided, more, not nationalistic in like a bad way, but just like, I love my country. Dude. I'm, I, I don't love everything that it does, but I believe that at its core, we are trying to be a good country and that there, the values that we at least espouse are important and something that I resonate with my own personal values. And so I think having, you know, if everyone in America could be a part of some, something and, and, and work towards that, I think we would have a better sense of like unity and, um, you know, just be a better country. Yeah. Well, that, that's great to hear. I'm glad, I'm glad you shared that, um, with us. One of the things that I want to make sure, um, that that we leave here with and, and talk about is that we talk about these techniques and, and I, I was I was kind of joking but serious about the underwear thing like that's that's wild I've stuck out <laughs> but but to you but you talking about you learned all these things but then in your life you start to realize like oh yeah I have this tool from this like oh I remember how I learned how to do this and you carry the with the tool with you the tools that you need the ones you don't you can put down. But then now in your life and how you approach this pitch contest, how you're approaching, you know, you're reaching out to other coffee shops, like all these things, you can reach back in your bag and use the tools that you've learned. And of course, you're not going to use all of them on every job, right. but now you you have them. You have them to utilize if you want to, which right. is important. Right. A hundred percent. You know, I, I mean, I, I kind of said something like this earlier, but um, we really are you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Everything that you have done up until now has prepared you for this moment. And any challenge that you are facing, um, I believe that you, you, you're prepared for it. That's why you're there. And if it feels like you're not prepared for it, it's because the lesson is knowing that you are capable of doing this. We're all capable of way more than we think. And it's just about having some of that like um, release, that surrender and to be like, dude, uh, uh, there's no problem I'm facing that I am not ready for because everything that I've done up until this moment 
has has prepared you. Amen. Jordan, thank you so much for sharing your story and everything that you're doing. I'm extremely impressed, and I'm really excited to see where you take this all next. Thank you, Dustin. I, again, man, it's been such an honor and a pleasure. And meeting you, I just aggressively put yourself out there. If I could leave any of the listeners, just put yourself out there. Try connecting with people. Um, and even if it seems like, you know, I don't know exactly what I get from doing something, like you're you're growing your network of influence. And I think it will pay dividends over the course of your career. So thank you, dude. It's a pleasure to meet you and pleasure to, to stay connected with you. There it is. Thank you very much. Yee. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Tools, Talents, and Techniques. We hope that you enjoyed the conversation. And if you did find value in the episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast on your favorite platform, leaving a review, and sharing with your network. We have an amazing lineup in the coming weeks and months with some very impressive leaders and some of the heaviest hitters in business who are making a positive impact in the world. So stay tuned for more exciting episodes and special features coming up. We appreciate your ongoing support and look forward to welcoming you back next time on Tools, Talents, and Techniques.